Guys, this is a great episode all about how to survive ortho residency and and some tips and advice. Stay tuned. Ortho, ortho, ortho. Becoming a, an orthodontist means you got to do the residency, right? But then after the residency, it's time to practice. Stay tuned as we talk to a recent graduate of ortho program, and he's out there now living life as an orthodontist. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Dr. Darwin, a new dentist coach with another episode of Ask Dr. Darwin on the new dentist podcast show where we talk about getting into dental school, surviving dental school, getting into residency, and then life as a new dentist. Also, life as an orthodontist. And that's the, the topic of today's episode. Guys, be sure that you are tuning in and sharing the content. Share it, like, comment down below, but also subscribe as well. That's right. Subscribe right down below. And also, this episode is being brought to you by GetIntoDentalResidency.com, right here. GetIntoDentalResidency.com, a resource to help you match into your dream residency program this cycle. For more details, go down below and check that out. All right, guys, so today we got a special guest. Uh, you, If you've been following the channel for the last three years, probably four years, his face may look familiar. Why? Because... About three years ago, we talked about this subject as he was applying or considering applying to ortho after finishing up dental school. So today we're, we're here and, and we're glad to say that we were followed up. And guess what? Not only did he get into ortho on his first try, but now he has completed his ortho training 34, 35 months later. So uh, Dr. Min, how you doing? It's all good. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, man. So please introduce yourself uh, for those that may be seeing you for the first time and meeting you for the first time as well. Sure. It's uh, Thanks for bringing me back onto the show. This is my third time back. We did like the pre-application, the post-match, and now we're post-finishing up residency. It's pretty exciting. Uh, but my name's uh, Dr. Min Nguyen. I go by Dr. Min. This is plenty of people with my last name, so I like to go by my first name. Uh, graduated from Howard University in 2018 with my DDS, got into residency at West Virginia University in orthodontics in my 34-month program, just finished in April of 2021. So I'm the, one of the pandemic graduates that was looking for a job, found a job that I like, crushing it, hustling right now, like doing, working on a lot of stuff. Um, it's been about six months exactly. So it's a good amount of private practice experience. Uh, I worked like right away, right after residency. And uh, there's a lot to share with you and your audience. Absolutely. And we're, we're going to dive into that, uh, especially as it relates to ortho, right? But let's back up a little bit. Just one quick step, because a lot of people may not know, uh, and maybe they want to know for themselves, why ortho? Why did you pick ortho as a, as a, as a discipline within the profession of dentistry? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so why ortho? I, I asked myself that a lot uh, during my third year of dental school. 
initially when I started, I didn't really actually want to be an orthodontist. That was the bottom of my list. But going through dental school, you try to hustle through your first two years of school. It's all didactics. You get to third year and you get into your clinic work. You're doing a lot of the treatment on the patients. You think it's really sexy to be doing all these full roundhouse cases and implants. Then you kind of realize it's like, wow, you know, we, you have to prepare a tooth so much and it can get rather aggressive. And yet a lot of times, if you want to create a nice smile, you end up having to need some limited orthodontic treatment anyways to keep the occlusion right, smile level lined up in the alignment and rotations of the teeth. So then that's when I veered off to kind of shadowing a little bit about the orthodontic residency, just to see, oh, if I'm going to do something or consider it to a, uh, in my practice, I better do it to the level of a specialist. The more I learned about it, and it was just really intriguing to me because it's a giant puzzle. And then you have like just teeth moving ever so slowly, trying to piece it all together. And then even though it's a longer treatment time, I find that the results with a orthodontic treatment case has much more long-term benefits versus prepping all the teeth and creating this super nice white veneers as, as you know, even though it's really nice and sexy and stuff, but it's still just natural teeth. It just doesn't beat it. So I had the good, decent grades to get into the program and then took my chances. And I'm like, I think I could, I could really, really do this. No regrets at all. Yeah. Yeah. I remember us talking uh, about that transitional period when you were considering it. And uh, I think you got some advice in addition to applying right out of school yeah. for ortho to maybe consider doing uh, a residency, uh, uh, AGD or GPR uh, as a enhancement to your application for ortho uh, as well. So, all right, so cool, so cool. So let's talk a little bit about your training program. You finished up at West Virginia University. Uh, is that Morgantown? It's a school in Morgantown. 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 Yep. yep. Morgantown, West Virginia, home of the Mountaineers. Touchdown so let's talk. City. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your ortho residency training program. Some things that you liked the most, and what were some of the most challenging parts of your training program as well? Yeah, a little bit about my program. Uh, different programs vary between minimum twenty-four months to like thirty-six months is pretty normal range. My program was thirty-four. Just a lot of times it's so competitive. You just try to go where you can get in. And that's how the match process works. So I was very thankful to go to West Virginia University where the training was uh, very, very clinic heavy. It was like 80% clinical work, 20% uh, research. Uh, so it was a lot of patients that I got to see, maybe about you know 120 uh, full records of patients that I would see ranging from children to teenagers to adults, phase one treatment handful of surgical, uh, a lot of class two cases, and maybe like a handful of class three cases, wide range of stuff where you can, in your residency, is a time to like try out a bunch of stuff, uh, different bracket systems, different appliances, where uh, it's a perfect time to experiment. I encourage this for all residencies to, even though if it's a technique that's a little bit new to you, don't be afraid. Uh, try those different techniques, like if it's a different uh, rotary system or uh, a different oral surgery technique. I, this yeah. is you know, my world's orthodontics. Try those other things where it doesn't cost you any money. You know, the, the school is going to supply this for you. Try those things. That you, if you don't like it, then you know you don't like it. Um, but as far as my program in particular, uh, I find that there are programs that are very uh, self-directed learning and those that are very more hand-holding. My program was very much self-directed learning. You really will get out what you put into it at West Virginia. 
So if you put in the work and have a good interaction with your faculty and attending faculty, chairman and the program director, they understand that you care, that you wanna learn more. So they reciprocate it and say, okay, this person's trying to go to another level. And you really do just get out what you put into it. So yeah. that's where my environment really, really thought for me personally. I didn't really need a whole lot of handhelding. I just knew what I wanted to learn. And you know, I would just try to work hard at it and just try to focus on that every day in the faculty yeah. could tell. Yeah, and, and for those that are listening uh, and taking notes, keep in mind, like Dr. Min mentioned, is that you know, every program is gonna be different with regards to how their structure, what their philosophy is, both uh, treatment philosophy, but also teaching philosophy as well. So when you're going through your programs and you're looking at programs to add to your list, that's something that you wanna make sure that you fully understand. Uh, and I'm sure also doc, you know, there were some things that was probably one of the things that you liked about West Virginia. What, what else did you like about your program? The program is actually rather small. It was three people per class. So when we go to go to GORP you know, or AO, we're like one of the, like the smallest programs in the whole country. It's just like nine people total. And other people will roll in with like 15, 20 people. So we yeah. just feel like so small. So you really, yeah. a key part with your residency, what you want to look for, not to, not just the clinical aspects and the, and the faculty, but when you're at these interviews potentially or visiting programs, get to know some of the residents. What's their personalities like? Where are they from? Are they from different parts of the country? Are they all from West Virginia, hypothetically? Uh, how well do you mesh with them? Because yeah. you're going to spend more time with them more than your own family or friends. Yep. Yep. I moved yep. into a new state where I didn't know anybody. Uh, I just took my chances, but I knew I visited the program during the application cycle. So a few months before the, the uh, pass application opened up, I visited and I was like, oh, this is definitely an environment. It was, I wasn't sure what to expect. Like I said, you're just trying to get in and you know, get some FaceTime. Yeah. Saw the program, met the residents. I'm like, oh, wow, I think I could get along with these people really, really great. And we all gelled really, really well for three years. And obviously new incoming people come in and older people leave and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. also really, really important as a dynamic in terms of your learning experience and how much, you know, enjoyable time you're going to have it's you're, you're committing to a, a long-term home basically yeah so make sure it's a right fit for you on, on multiple levels yeah that's a good tip that's a pre-tip before we get to the tips you guys got a pre-tip right there what about the challenging parts what, what were some of the challenging parts coming into the program or even throughout the three years what, what were some of the things that you can highlight that were somewhat of a challenge yeah uh, i'll have to say during your first year of all the, the nine official specialties, orthodontics, I think, is the most foreign during dental school. It's the one where you doing a hand, using a handpiece doesn't make it. You can't prepare for it for SimLab. It's really almost a completely different type of curriculum and a different way of thinking. So there's a giant learning curve in like that first year where you can diagnose class one, class two, but then when a faculty is reviewing a treatment plan or they're asking you to propose a treatment plan, it's still quite abstract for you to visualize and put it together where you want to move the teeth and how you're going to get there. So even like once you, once you understand what, let's say the optimal treatment is, let's say if it was, you know, extractions and the orthognathic surgery, but now let's say the patient declined surgery, you have to understand, okay, what are your compromises as far as how to finish the case? And are you able to predict those outcomes? Should the patient go down another route where, let's say surgery was the optimal treatment plan. Uh, 
that's usually during first year. During second year, as your cases are rolling, you'll have the challenge of like some biomechanics and teeth will move certain ways you didn't want them to and uh, you didn't plan for it. So you wanna be working really, really well with the faculty and like, you know, how do I anticipate these plans and how do you, how do you get out of it you know, when these problems arise? So that's a good part about orthodontics. If a tooth moves one way, you know, nine times out of 10, you can move it back the other way uh, and you can still recover your cases. Um, in terms of, I'll say aligners, even though it's, it's a big wave right now that's really changed the landscape of orthodontics and even general dentistry, um, for, for, you know, for those general dentists out there that are doing Invisalign, uh, I'm not sure how well they'll really know like the attachments and stuff in like some weekend course. But I'm like, when I got into residency, I didn't really appreciate a lateral set until I got to residency. It, it makes a world of difference. And just a few key points of just what to look for, um, like how far you can procline the lower teeth, the position of the bone, the position of upper lower jaws will determine, you know, what can you really achieve with aligners uh, will make a big difference. So even though we were in yeah. orthodontic residency and most actually don't teach aligners because it's still quite new. There's, you have to rely on faculty that know it in order to teach it. But there are lots of like online fellowships where that's what one that I did. Um, I'm not paid by them or anything, but you know, I took one and it was about 12 weeks long. One of the best investments I ever made. Now I feel very, very confident to treat in almost any case with aligners. I do yeah. have my preferences sometimes with traditional braces, but that's all again, another self-directed, learning. No one forced me to take it. I chose to do it on my own because I knew what was going to be coming in the future. And I wanted to just watch out for myself. Yeah. And another one last uh, challenge, I guess I'll say in terms of a more self-directed learning program, that's actually a challenge in of itself. It's self-directed learning. Sometimes in these sorts of programs, it's not entirely clear what you should be knowing at which time. So it's really, a, you should have to take it upon yourself to where if there's like a few faculty you really tend to, to gravitate towards, which I did, I had no shame when they were coming in once a month and I would just hound them and just stay with them. And I, I wouldn't hide in like the residence room or anything. I would literally walk with them like a shadow, even if they were with another resident, just to pick up one or two extra, you know, uh, uh, clinical pearls that I could take with me for myself. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. That's one thing I'm gonna keep in my toolbox and use it in the future. Uh, so you have to kind of stay on top of yourself. And uh, like I said, you don't know what you're supposed to know at which time. Um, but if you stay on top of it and you hustle and you keep in touch with the, the faculty, they'll keep you right on track and you'll be just fine. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like from your experience, based on your program, uh, being proactive, right, is yes, key. Absolutely. Staying disciplined to the fact that, yes, I don't know. It is self-directed. That means not only will I need to dive deeper into the curriculum and, and explore, but also I'm going to need to get that help and um, making sure that you stay active or stay proactive in that learning process. And which is, which leads me to our, our next question related to candidates. Like, you know, as an ortho candidate for some programs, you need to be pro proactive or you need to be able to do some self-assessment, some self-reflection as relates to your learning that, uh, that you're receiving as a resident. So give us some idea as to, as a former ortho resident, what are some of the characteristics that make up a good ortho 
candidate? I'll try to go with it from a viewpoint of um, a program director if I was to recruit residents. Okay. Uh, I think if it's if, if people didn't know for the people uh, watching and listening, the orthodontics uh, specialty is extremely competitive to get in. Like typically you do have to be like a, a top 10 student just by virtue of supply and demand because the demand is so high to get in a position. These programs can be extremely selective in who they take. Yeah. Now, does that necessarily mean uh, top 10 candidates or top 10 ranked students are significantly more intelligent than let's say people that are in the middle and would they make better orthodontists? I would say no, not so much. But a lot of times what I see is that the people usually in the top 10 and Dr. Hayes, you, you feel free to comment, you've seen it. They usually tend to be the real alphas in the class. They tend to really, really hustle and they kind of, they not usually earn their spot to be in let's say a higher ranked student. So by virtue of supply and demand, a top 10 ranked person, personality-wise, is already geared towards being very passionate about their work, self-motivating. No one's really babying them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I find that a lot of those types of students, they're, they're not in the top 10. So by that alone, now these orthodontic programs are able to choose from these people. Now, back to the original question in terms of evaluating potential candidates. I think starting one, despite, yes, I think orthodontists do get typically more financially rewarded in terms of their work. You would say, you know, apples to apples versus a general dentist, but money is definitely like far from the reason why you should do it. So the first thing I'll question is your passion for it. Don't do this for just because you say you have like, you make more money as an associate. It's not worth it. Committing yourself to a three-year residency. You're going to be doing this potentially for the next 30, 40 years or however long you want to do this. Make sure you really, really like the work. So take the time to visit private practices, which I did. Take the time to visit multiple programs in different states that you potentially could be applying to. Ask the hard questions from people that are in practice, people that are faculty, as to like why they like it and formulate maybe a reason why you really, really want to do this. I, I, had a, I had to really debate with myself. I really want to go down this route. I always dreamed of just doing full mouth rehab and implants this entire time for my dental school time. And then that's my plan when I was going to get out. But obviously it just changed paths. Another thing I would look for is, um, I would say, uh, your work ethic. Uh, you know, is this person a hustler? Do they work, you know, extra hard? Do they put in extra hours, you know, let's say after five o'clock? Uh, you can always tell the differences in the people that like really, really care about their work versus that don't. Um, the last part is, I'll have to say, uh, just your character. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to assess that a lot of times because everybody's trying to put like their 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 dating face on like it's their first date essentially got to be on their their you know uh their best behavior and, and in the interview so it's hard to assess but um in the long run you know good quality character candidates will always shine through when they get into the program and program directors can always tell it's not very hard who really cares about the work and who doesn't who gets along with those and who doesn't yeah um, so i'd have to say those three things passion, your drive for work ethic, and your character. Uh, very difficult things to assess in just like a 10-minute interview in a yeah. program. Uh, it's, it's tough. Hard. It's, <laughs> tough. It's, hard. Uh, it's tough. But you just got to do the best. And, yeah. Uh, well, that's why, that's why your application, uh, even though I, I really do think that interview is, is, you know, it's really the last ch chance to make your list, your 
name to appear on their match list, um, there's a whole lot of preparation that goes into it as far as the application. And in that application, with your personal statement, you have to, like you said, you have to really zero in on those certain qualities, at least draw reference to it so that you can be invited to the interview so that they can ask you some of those questions in the interview, right? Because the That's application right. Right. is not really just to help you get into ortho, but really mm -hmm. the application is to help you get to the interview. That's right. <laughs> that helps you get to the program, right? <laughs> Once you're at that interview stage, it's all fair game at that it's point. It's all you fair game. It's all fair game. You can have, have 19 other people that are that are 4.0s and you're the one that's a 3.5. Right. But, but that's when your chance, hey, if you, whoever shines in the interview at that point, that, that's who's going to get the spot. That's, right. And, and, and when, that's, when we were residents interviewing, we I didn't at once ask them what their grades were. I didn't really care. Yeah. I wanted to know someone that was going to like get along with me because I'm going to deal with you for at least one, two, three years potentially. There you go. There you go. And that's what I tell candidates. You guys are listening. Yes. The residents do play a part in the interview process, right? Be nice right to that? them. That's <laughs> Be right. nice to them, but also get to know them and ask them questions, right? Because yes. their residents right? will tell you the truth. The truth. There you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. Pro um, I, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Program directors and chairman, they'll lie left and right. Their job is to sell the program. So remember, that's a good part about the interview. Yes, you are trying to impress them, but they're trying to impress you. Yeah. Because you will rank multiple programs. So they're trying to put their best forward, their, yeah. their, their foot forward to, right. to, to, to sell the program so that you get, so you rank their program high. Right. You want to go into like the nitty gritty stuff. Take that extra time. Even if the residents have no vote in terms of whether or not you get in, interview the residents that are already there and ask them the real harsh question and just feel each of them now out. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? If mm -hmm. you were to change something, what are you going to change? If you were mm -hmm. a program director, what do you want to be different? Mm -hmm. They're going to tell you the truth 99 out of 100. Yeah, yeah. What, what other tips and advice do you have for people that are applying to, to ortho? What other tips would you say, knowing what you know now as far as going through that application process? I know it's been over three years ago, but what, what are there yeah. some couple other tips, advice you have for candidates? Sure. So even though like my, my application was done years ago, I, every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll get like a, a message from, from a young aspiring, let's say Howard University, uh, D4 or D3 trying to get in. Um, let's say provided you already have good grades and uh, you already have uh, good letters of recommendation. If to, to get into the program, I think just by virtue of numbers alone, I would take the ADAT, even if the program doesn't require it. I don't know if I would necessarily have to study for it because a lot of these programs, most of them um, don't really need the ADAT, but the few that do, let's say if you, if you have like a thousand potential applicants and a few programs require it, well, all the top 10% of these really, really good candidates that don't feel like taking the ADAT won't apply to those programs. So by virtue of just statistics, drawing your name out of a hat, by you just taking the ADAT, you're already in the hat. Yep. So you might as well just take it. 
Yeah. No, no, and just do the best you can. It's not the end of the world because the metrics of it, it's very hard to assess a candidate. I don't know one program director that's really assessing unless you're like in a really, really competitive orthodontic program, which is not the end of the world anyways. Yeah. Take the idea just by virtue of numbers. Yeah. And, so, and what about what about the GRE? Because I know take the some, GRE. Pro- some yeah, programs take require it, it. Uh, yep, even though I've talked to a couple of program directors that say, Mm, the word is out on the GRE as far as <laughs> how that's going to define you as a, a candidate and it, also as a resident. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I took it um, because West Virginia required it. Yeah. But I'll just say um, some programs don't really look at that so much. Right. I'll put it that way. So yeah. just, just take it by virtue of because it's a master's <laughs> program. I think it has to do with the formality of like a graduate program. So the, right. the, the graduate school of the university needs a GRE. Just take it. I didn't even study for mine. Just click all C for all I can <laughs> down the line and just get it done. Just get it done. I, I think I got like 40 percentile in the English part. It's it's whatever. And I, I'm, I'm an orthodontist now. Right. It has no 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 metric as far as how I perform. Yeah, it's, it's it may be more of a checkbox thing for some programs, some institutions mm-hmm. uh, than others. But still study as you take can it. prepare for it. Take it. Uh, so that's a good tip. That A, the A, that. What else? What what other tips for candidates? Yeah, we got applying? A, that GRE. Just take it. Uh, I would say, uh, even though COVID and stuff like that could have slowed things down potentially, you'd be surprised how many programs are there actually don't get a lot of visitors. Like there's only like maybe two three programs in the country that have formal internship programs. But if there's a program that you're really interested in, let's say if you're from like uh, Buffalo, New York, and you're interested in going back to Buffalo, shoot them an email, the program director, and just say, if you can just visit just a little bit of FaceTime for like a day or even a couple hours could be worth it. Cause they will remember you come the time when they see your application that, Oh yeah, no, this young man, Dr. Hayes right here. He visited the program. Let's, let's at least give him an interview. Okay. I sure. sure he got, did. He's got That's decent right. grades. Let's, let's go ahead and get him an interview. Let's just chat with him. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't stand cost out. Anything. You got to stand out. FaceTime is the best time. Yep. That's right. FaceTime is the best time to stand out um, uh, because it's easy. Like I say, it's easy to do, but it's also easy not to do. And uh, like you said, depending on COVID and and whether or not programs will typically invite or allow visitors to come to the program, it, 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 it depends. But you should seek the opportunity to uh, not invite yourself, but ask if if they have such a, an arrangement at that program. And if they say yes, then you put your hand up, sign up, and say, "Well, I'm coming. When I would like where? to come visit. Right, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm there tomorrow." And Remember, get in front the of self, them. the people that are self motivated. They're the ones that are going to do it. Yeah. Versus the you know it's it's about ten percent of like super duper self motivated people. Are you going to be in that ten percent? That's right. You, you really want it? You. The, the worst thing that happens is they say no. They, you weren't going to go anyways. So it didn't hurt you by asking. Right. So might as well ask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is good, man. This is good. Uh, you all that are listening and watching, uh, go back. Go back. Listen again. Write down these notes. Um, but also, most importantly, do it. Do, what, <laughs> do the things that we are sharing as tips and advice and strategies don't just write it down, but figure out the way that you can implement uh, what we're talking about. I'm, I'm going to fast forward because I, I actually want to yep. spend some time um, the next time we talk and talk a little bit more about 
you know, your complete life as an orthodontist. I can't remember. Did you do your, have you done your certification yet for boards? I am registered for February. Okay. For so that's coming up. Exam. Yeah. That's coming yeah. up. So we'll, I'm let's talk a lot. We'll talk a little bit about that next time we, uh, we, we get together. But uh, as a segue to that, tell us a little bit about any special projects that you're working on now as a, as an orthodontist. Uh, right now on, on top of, uh, being an orthodontist Monday through Thursday, um, getting your life set during residency. One thing that really intrigued me was like finances and student loans. Uh, during my residency, when I was looking at potential places to have equity, I, I interviewed a bunch of financial planners and I found one that actually knew how to link together student loans that were related to your taxes and your whole life in general. And that's, it was a CFS dental division. So on top of me, you know, studying a lot of finances myself, when COVID hit, there was like nothing to do. The whole program shut down for like two months. So I just right. went home. I just sat there for hours, learned everything I could on macroeconomics, microeconomics, tax planning, investments, student loans. I put that all together. And eventually I was giving these consultations to these dental students that owed like two, three, four, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars in student loans as just a D4. And I said, okay, well, come follow me real quickly to my unit. And I would just pop it up in my little student loan calculator. This algorithm spits out. I'm like, oh, this is your plan. This is the optimal plan because of this. And I was doing all that, you know, around the clock, just like for fun. Until one of my faculty just recommended to say, hey, have you ever considered consulting? And I'm like, well, I can't really charge, you know, these students $500 an hour for my time. They don't have any money. I mean, I'm broke now, you know, at that time. And, you know, they'd be more broke than me. And then I, I texted my financial planner. I'm like, hey, you know, we have these Invisalign speakers. There's 3M speakers for their brackets. And then you have maybe, you know, you know Seric machine speakers. But, hey, you know, there, there's no financial speakers. And he goes, mm -hmm. no, we, no, there's, there's none that exists. But I kind of see where you're getting at. So then we talked back and forth. And then now I became a, a orthodontist and dental consultants for CFS Dental Division. So full disclosure, I do work for them. So it is like a little bit of a plug for them, but essentially what we really focus on is guiding students or, or new grads through those early parts of your career to where you don't make those multi-million dollar mistakes. And one is not having like the optimal plan for your student loans. And now my consulting thing, thing has just grown so much. It literally started in April of 2021 and I am booked, you know, I'm, I'm booked like three times uh, right after clinic, like this week, I am, I'm, I'm booked out the wazoo. I had like five orthodontists direct message me on Facebook. Wow. Hey, I, I owe, I owe $900,000 in student loans. Me and my wife, we owe over a million dollars. What do we do? I think we can cover this for sure. In like another podcast, I can go into detail, but essentially yeah. a, a lot of times when, when people owe more than $300,000, their optimal plan is to be under income-based repayment where you pay 10% of your discretionary income uh, which is basically, you know, if you make 218,000, subtract the poverty line. If you're single with no kids, that's 18K. That's 200K. Take 10% of that's 20K divided by 12 months, $1,600 a month. Very, really feasible. But then what students don't know and your residents don't know, if you go into residency and you don't have a plan, you're already losing out and your net worth is actually dropping. Yeah. You only got lucky because COVID is 0%. 
But come January, it's going to go back to six and a half to seven percent. Yeah, you can actually be on an income based repayment called repay and say, hey, I will pay pay back my student loans during these months. But it will be based on the previous year's taxes. So you file a zero income tax return in your D4 year. Your payments per month during your residency is zero dollars. Yep. Now, why would you want to do that? One, each of those months count towards student loan forgiveness. Two, under revised pay as you earn, the government will subsidize it by half. So without privately refinancing it, you've slowed down the rate of your interest from six and a half percent to three and a quarter during your residency. So even if you only owe like $100,000, go on repay during your residency to slow down the interest rate. And now let's say you get secured in your job and you just go ahead and own a practice and refinance it. Go on ahead and do that one. Yep. But a lot of times the number pan out to where it's more optimal for people to not pay it back as soon as they can. And a lot of times you should be dragging out for 20 to 25 years yeah. where your balance will be forgiven. And then you pay income tax on that money. Yeah. Based on, that, and that ends up being cheaper. And a lot of, and that's the thing, man, we don't get, we don't get advice like this in dental school. Don't. Definitely don't get it in residency. And, and it's not nope. until we've already secured our jobs that we start having these conversations and, and uh, I mean, just what you shared in itself, you know, people are probably their heads are spinning right now, uh, mm -hmm. but we're going to spend the time to actually go deeper into that. And we'll have you back yeah. on the on the podcast to do to talk a little bit more about uh, student loan planning and, and financing and tips and tips and strategies, because you're right. It's another whether you're whether you're a dental student or especially if you're an ortho resident where some programs you have to pay, I know one program, you have to pay about $100,000. <laughs> I did have to pay $100,000, you know, for, for every year, you know, I, I did have to pay for my training, though. Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so, so that you add that on to your if you had any dental school debt, and, you know, that can be a barrier for a lot of people that want to become a board certified specialist orthodontist, etc. So I think there's going to be some great value. So guys, make sure you continue to watch the podcast here uh, and watch these videos because we're going to have Dr. Min back on and we're going to be talking and have a, a, just a webinar just on that. Maybe you can even do a presentation, Doc. Uh, that yeah, yeah, would be I great. Have, yeah, I'll do like a modified one for you. My, my normal seminar, I've, I've given them to West Virginia, Howard, VCU, Case yep. Western, and individual consultations. It lasts like an hour and a half seminars, but we can definitely like, get the nitty gritty stuff of what your audience would really, really benefit from. And if they're interested, it's a total courtesy. They can just reach out to me anytime. And I just walk them through it, you know, for their yeah. individual situation. Cause everybody's different. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And guys, that's why you have to stay all the way through the video so that you get these pearls and you get these announcements of information that's going to help you down the road. So, uh, so thanks so much. Hey guys, check out these next, set of videos right here. Hopefully these will help you as well. And that's our time. Thanks, Dr. Min. Love, peace, and smiles. We'll see you on the next video. Thanks, Dr. Hayes. Thank you. Hey, I hope you guys liked that episode. There's more, more to listen to and more to learn from. Make sure you subscribe and tune in at the next, next episode. Peace.